welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button, or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life, and we hope and pray that you find that in this message. So after, during our Easter message, I talked about how Jesus first appeared to a woman after his resurrection and the importance of that, and I mentioned it last week as well. And so I got a text message from a young lady in our church this week. Um, now remember, this is coming from a, a, a female, a wife, because her husband said something to her, and I just couldn't stop laughing, okay? It just fit well, it was humorous, it was just encouraging in, 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 in a weird way. Um, and so I asked permission, and she said yes, so, and I'll tell you who it is in just a minute. But it said, Tim, my husband said that the main reason that Christ showed himself to women first was because he knew that the word of his resurrection would get around faster. <laughs> and then and, and Gary, Gary Brown came in this morning with a broken arm, and I don't know, I don't know why he's got a broken arm. But uh, I just thought it was kind of funny. But things like that lighten the mood on serious topics in, or trials in our lives. It brings a smile, if you have a sense of humor, and it brings a bit of encouragement that not everyone takes life so serious knowing that God has got our back. He loves us even while we were in our sins. And I, and I hope and pray that the message today will bring a little bit of encouragement to you and a ton of peace, joy, and hope for what's to come. There is a show called Forged in Fire. How many of you have seen that show? Quite a few of you. It's, a, it's an interesting show. There are four contestants uh, that have an opportunity to create uh, a certain weapon that the judges pick, and then there are three judges that put the weapon to the test, and the, and the one that survives is the winner. And one of the judges, his name is Doug, who is usually the one that does the last test of any weapon. And once uh, the final test is done, and if, it, if that particular uh, weapon passes uh, that particular test, he will say, it will kill. And I actually thought for years that he was saying it would kill. And, and that's not what he's saying, because if you're a fan of the show, you know exactly what he's saying. He says, he's saying it will kill, K-E-A-L. And what does kill mean? Well, kill is an acronym to, for keep everyone alive. In other words, the sentence emphasizes the importance of celebrating the art of, of forging a weapon out of some kind of metal without creating harm uh, oneself to oneself, but, but is used to protect and destroy others. And in the, in the context of the show, it will keel is used to describe a design that has passed the test. And so throughout the Bible, we hear terms like train and teach and treat and sharpen and encourage, things we do to help others move forward in life with a little bit of ease and, and, and success and joy and protection, ways that would normally be used by others to show respect and support and appreciation and love to those we have relationships with, those that we do church with. So in Proverbs 27, 17, Solomon wrote the proverb uh, that was, has been repeated uh, for, for centuries. I've heard it come out of the mouths of, of non-Christians and Christians alike. It's an interesting proverb because we all know it's true. We know it works, but we ignore the wisdom and practicality behind it, and so we don't use it that often. 
Sometimes trying to live out this proverb can be uh, very tiresome and aggravating and painful. But generally, it would bring about something good, depending on the character or motivation of those involved. The, the, this sharpening tool uh, can be sometimes uh, can some can be something that makes or breaks another person, as you know the prophet Daniel says in his letter. Solomon wrote again this proverb, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. A pretty straightforward there. And then Daniel writes in his letter, finally there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as it iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all other things. And so iron can be used uh, for good or bad, sharpening or breaking, tearing down or building up for constructive or destructive purposes. The, the, the series that we've been going through is Iron Sharpens Iron uh, has been about the body of Christ, all Christians to understand our responsibility as a follower of Christ to our brothers and sisters in Christ we worship with. This is uh, the last one on this particular series, but, that, but we have to understand that we are members of one another through the blood of Jesus Christ, and how we treat one another will determine whether or not those around us will recognize that we actually belong to God, that we're walking in God's wisdom and His ways, taking His word seriously, and so that He alone is glorified and that His kingdom is what grows and not our egos. The image that Solomon is trying to convey is that of, of the, the tool or a weapon being sharpened by another piece of metal. The metaphor uh, of metal rubbing against metal is Solomon's, in Solomon's first line of his, his, this proverb is being applied to how we can help others we are in relationship to become better at this church thing instead of trying to destroy one another because we disagree about stuff. And so the proverb describes the friction necessary for a person to grow in character and godliness. The friend, the co-worker, the neighbor, the brother in Christ playing, uh, uh, plays a primary role in the sharpening of one another, in the sharpening process. And we all know that an axe is, uh, a sharp axe is better than a dull one, a sharp knife is better than a dull one, a sharp pencil is better than a dull one, and a sharp friend is better than a dull one. You see, being a true friend, a brother in Christ, that the kind of relationship Paul emphasizes belonging in the church is about strengthening those around us, sharpening and encouraging and loving them. In church, we have an opportunity to either sharpen one another for the good or break one another in hopes that we might eliminate a brother or sister in Christ. And do you think that is going to make God happy? That the body of Christ is slamming on each other because all that does is amount to walking in the flesh and not the spirit of god everything that paul's been talking about here and, and so just a, a play on words here can can our lord jesus look at every one of us any one of us and say man you killed it you killed it you did everything you could to keep everyone else around you spiritually sharp you did your part in sharpening others without causing them harm you passed the test you killed it Christ followers are to be in the business of encouraging, being civil and, and merciful and strengthening the church. So my question to you is, which use of the iron do you choose? Which use of the iron do you choose? Smashing someone or sharpening them in destructive ways or in constructive ways? And so Paul writes to the Roman uh, church, he says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Anyone who reads the New Testament cannot deny that God has, uh, has a plan for every Christian 
These, these followers of Christ care for one another, minister to one another, and by doing so, we encourage one another in Christ to be the best that we can be. Paul communicates God's plan to the Ephesian Christians by saying this. Followers of Christ are to speak the truth in love. And as we do, he says, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. From him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians chapter 4. And then he writes to the Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, when Miss Terry and I started dating, I thought I would impress her dad, and so I called him. He's in Oregon. I'm in Joppa, Missouri, and I told him that I got a lead role in the college play there at Ozark, that I was playing a part of a man who had been married for 25 years. And Lyndall says, well, that's, that's, good. that's a good start, Tim. Just keep right at it, and one of these days you'll get a speaking part. Okay. Some of you, that just went right over your head. So depending on how you heard that joke, it may not be very encouraging, okay? Uh, when, when Eric Fair started dating Lisa now, so he wanted to strike up a conversation with hopefully his, his future father-in-law, but, but having a conversation with Andy Nasso can be a difficult thing, I'm telling you. And, and, and so Eric thought that he'd start with small talk and just ask some simple questions about, you know, because Andy, you know, seemed to think he knew everything, so he just asked these, these kinds of questions. Mr. Nasso, what makes an elephant so big? And he says, I don't know. Eric says, Mr. Nasso, why is a, a lion dangerous? I, I don't know. And he asked him a variety of questions like that, and nothing, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And Eric was, he just wanted to have a little more uh, personal time with this, so he asked a, a question that seemed to be, you know, a, a, a simple thing to answer. And, and so he says, Mr. Nasso, am I bothering you with all my questions? And Andy says to Eric, not at all. You, you'll never learn unless you ask. Okay, that went over your head, too. <laughs> that joke had nothing to do with anything. Okay, I just said that today because I just wanted to bring a little bit of laughter. Yeah, it didn't work out well. But, uh, you know, just a little bit of encouragement in times of trouble, in times of stress, in times of anxiety, in times of pain and suffering and tears, in times of frustration and di uh, 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 doubt, in times of suspicion and, and bitterness, in times of trials and temptations. Just a little bit of laughter, a little bit of encouragement goes a long way in times of trouble. And we have forgotten about that. Because all we want to do is grumble and complain about everything under the sun. And our God says, stop it. I am the God of the universe. I've given you life. I had a funeral, funeral, a funeral yesterday for a 59-year-old woman. And we've got things to complain about? She lost her life at the age of 59. And we know of other people who have died earlier than that. Do we really have anything to complain about? We're supposed to be encouraging and loving on one another and building up the body of Christ, okay? You see, when the body of Christ lives for Christ as each part within the body of Christ does its part to help grow the church that we've been talking about this entire series, we begin to see the fruit of our labors. We, we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit of God that we worship, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When, when we are producing the fruit of the Spirit within our own lives, it starts to spread throughout the entire church, and encouragement is a wonderful way to sharpen one another. 
what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? Good or bad? Or none at all? The Apostle Paul had one important concern that was constantly on his mind and in his heart to do all that he could do to grow the kingdom. And knowing he could only do so much as an individual, his plan was to sharpen the entire body of Christ so that they can press in on other people to help encourage them as well as every Christian is doing their part to develop the same concern that for all brothers and sisters. That is our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage one another, to help grow the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to bring glory to God. That's why he writes to the Colossian Christians in 2.2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we encourage one another to dig into the word of God, we encourage one another with the word of God, then then these hidden treasures start to come to surface. We begin to experience everything God wants the church, his bride, to experience. Paul's concern for the church is communicated in his letter to provide Christians with biblical and practical guidelines for developing and growing, okay? To help Christians encourage and love and show patience with others through their stresses and their own issues, to honor, to sharpen one another for the glory of God. Not one Christian in Paul's day or today can do that on their own. They are not the only ones uh, to, to be encouraging the church. Everybody's supposed to do their part. God's instructions is that every Christian be an active part of the body of Christ, that every Christian contributes to the process and Paul says the whole body must be joined and held together by every supporting ligament and that includes everybody in this room that includes everybody out there watching you are part of the body of Christ you are one of the ligaments you are you are a process here and as the body gets uh, its strength and direction you know from uh, the, the the very one the head of the church, which is Jesus, it is then that, that, it, that it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its thing. And if you're not doing your part, what are you doing? Paul's instructions to the Thessalonian Christians is an appropriate conclusion to this particular series. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. First Thessalonians 5. Everything that we've talked about in this series is to be encouraged and lived out by every other member of the church family doing its part. Sunday school teachers, community group leaders, ministry team leaders, uh, elders, staff, the list goes on. It's, it's not about the, the top and the bottom of, of the, the, the ladder here. It's everybody in between. The Thessalonian church was a very active church uh, even as they were facing severe trials and persecutions. For uh, Paul wrote to them, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right and as a result you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So stop worrying about those who trouble you. Stop worrying about all the little things that we have in our heads that we think the church ought to be. Or another Christian ought to be, our wives, our husbands, our children. We, we need to stop doing that and start focusing on who you are in Christ. What are you doing to set the example, the tone for everybody around you? They, they were starting, these people in Thessalonica, they were starting to experience the conflict uh, from people challenging the second coming of Christ. 
They were, they were facing serious issues here. And, and, and just a lot of stuff. So Paul wrote to encourage them through it all as they continued to demonstrate their concern and love for one another. Because they, they had learned the importance of encouraging and instructing and, and comforting one another as a church family. That is why Paul praised them here and, and encouraged them to continue to, to do such wonderful work in the name of Jesus Christ. They were facing real persecution. I don't think the American church has yet to experience that. And how well are we doing now? The Greek word that Paul uses here in this, this uh, uh, chapter is uh, my Greek professor at Ozark, uh, Kenny Bowles. Uh, it was one of these words that you just never, never forget about. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. It's called parakaleo. Parakaleo. It just, again, rolls off your tongue. It's used in different ways within the New Testament. It's kind of interesting. This is one word has many meanings, but it, it is, the different meanings is to admonish, to exhort, to teach. Another way it can be used is to, to beg or to beseech someone. Another way is to console or to encourage or to comfort. Three different ways it can be used here. Parakaleo. But the basic intent is always used for one primary purpose. To share things that will help other Christians to be encouraged in Christ Jesus. To help them grow. Uh, to help grow one another in Christ. That was the main emphasis when he taught to the Thessalonian churches. Encourage one another and build each other up. Parakaleo one another. A blunt way of putting this is for us. The body to sharpen one another for works of service and to love people enough to help them through their own little pity parties. But, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. My life stinks. But I bet you I can compare your life to somebody else and you're going to find out they have a worse, worse life than you do. You help people through their pits of despair, their bitterness, their heartaches, whatever that might look like in their life. So, so they can spend their lives drawing attention to God rather than themselves. And that's the same thing that goes on within a church. If a church structure itself is bringing attention to themselves rather than God, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, case in point, my daughter Jennifer, many of you know, she was born with cerebral palsy. She's in a wheelchair. Um, that's her life. She looks around her Christian family and friends here in this area and where she lives now in Joplin, and she wishes she could do the things that everybody else does, just to be able to get up and walk, to walk to a swing and get on that swing and, 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 and be able to swing on a swing set, to be able to ride a bike, anything, everything that we take for granted. She thinks about that all the time. And, and, and so this last, uh, and I always reminded her, Jen, you've know, you got to look at what God has blessed you with and use that for the kingdom growth. You know, your, your joy and peace is found in Jesus Christ, not your circumstances. I've, been t I've taught my kids that their whole lives. Jennifer was just a little different story because she was suffering things that I will never understand. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what she's going through. I see it, but I don't understand it. And so I always remind her of this, and I, I told her too, Jen, there's always somebody that has it worse than you do. So a few months ago, her staff was trying to get her to move in with somebody else. And Jennifer, you know, she's a very independent young lady. She, wants to, she moved away from mom and dad to, to live on her own, and they were trying to get her to move in with somebody else. She was just really struggling with that. I said, Jen, this is your choice, not theirs. And so they took her to another uh, young lady's apartment, and uh, Jenna, they took her in there, and they were really trying to force the issue. And Jennifer's really feeling bad for this young girl who's her age, 33 years old. And this young girl, uh, she, she's, she, she's nonverbal. She, she's just in her wheelchair. She can't do anything for herself. 
And so they introduced Jen to her. Hey, well, how'd you like to move in with her? And Jennifer's very social, and she was feeling bad, even guilty. I, I don't want to move in with anybody. But one thing that she recognized was what? This 33-year-old girl, her age had it worse than she did. When she was seven years old, this girl had a life like everybody else. She ran around, she uh, rode her bike, she played sports, but she had a, a, uh, um, a shot from her doctor and destroyed her life. They've got pictures of this little girl running around, videos of this girl running around playing with her friends, but now she can't do anything. And Jennifer recognized that some people have it better or worse than the rest of us. So when you put things in perspective, it's huge. Look in the mirror, see who you are, and don't forget when you walk away, when you start comparing yourself to other people. Don't walk away forgetting who you are. Again, Paul says to the Roman Christians here, we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his own good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance, through this long suffering that we talked about a few weeks ago, and the encouragement of the scriptures might be, or might have, have hope here. He brings people back to the word of God. Church, too many Christians write off other brothers and sisters in Christ because their feelings have been hurt. This happens because of immaturity. They don't uh, know how to love people who annoy them or who hurt them or disagree with them or hold them accountable. We, we, we're all like this on so many different levels. We, we can always find ways to justify our ungodly behavior, but ultimately it is displeasing and dishonoring of our God and the church family. That is not encouraging. As a member of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation to bear with one another, to show that love, to, to gr show grace and mercy to those we worship with in the name of Jesus Christ because they're in here worshiping Jesus with us. I've, I've quoted Francis Chan a lot in that, uh, the book that I've uh, encouraged you guys to read. But here's one of my favorite uh, parts of, quotes of his whole book. He says, We are to value God's church. His instructions more than our feelings. We can cause real damage to God's work within the church when we want our feelings validated more than we want his bride elevated. We are the bride of Christ. And if we are slamming on the bride of Christ, how upset do you think the groom is going to be? Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. No groom wants to hear anybody slam on his bride. He goes on to say, I'm sure you can think of people in your life you wish would disappear. Maybe there have been times when you have prayed for God to remove certain individuals from the church. Proud people can be hard to live with, but avoiding them is not an option. We have an obligation to love and to suffer reproach as Christ did for us. That is dead on. If we can't learn to suffer reproach with one another, have this long-suffering attitude as Jesus did for us. Wow. Church family, one of the reasons that Paul encourages us to treat others honorably is this. When we allow hateful, self-righteous, prideful people to rent space in our heads, when we are consumed by how we think they've offended us, this robs us of our joy in Christ and it steals the kind of worship and sacrifice that God deserves from those whom he came to save from their own sins. 
Maybe that's why Paul wrote to the Philippian church, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, everything, uh, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, would you please think about such things? Church, would you please think about such things? When we think about heavenly things rather than earthly things, when we start comparing ourselves, our, our own weaknesses to the strength and glory of God, we don't look so good. And so start fixing your eyes on Jesus. You come in this place with a true heart of worship, reminding yourself of Christ's humility and sacrifice for you as an individual. And when this happens, the church will begin to experience the joy and peace that we've never had before simply, or that we've simply forgot about because we've encountered trials and temptations. Because a lot of times when we experience bad things, oh, God doesn't love me, love me anymore, or my brother and sister in Christ must hate me. That's ridiculous. In the process of sharpening one another through encouragement, Paul was adamant of how that comes about. It's, it's through the word of God. You remember Jesus when he's tempted, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. He went back to the word of God. This is why, uh, why he wrote to the Ephesian Christians, encouraging them to continue speaking the truth in love, that then uh, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The New Testament writers gave us many examples of how the church can encourage other believers. It's in the word. It's God's word. And Paul tells Titus that he and the church must hold firmly to the trustworthy message uh, as it was been taught to them so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So he's telling Timothy, uh, young Titus, share the word. That's where the encouragement comes in. He told Timothy uh, and the church uh, that the church must preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, and correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Instructions from what? The word of God. And then Paul and Silas and Timothy, when they're with the new Christians at Thessalonica, they encouraged the entire church. They said, just as you know uh, how we uh, treated you, how we entreated you, uh, how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He takes the attention back to God. And then Paul shared with them why he was encouraging them to live lives worthy of God. He says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. The word of God. He kept coming back to the word of God. If we can't do things in this world, even in our own church, our own community, in the name of Jesus Christ, with the word of God just permeating everything that we do, what's the point? It means nothing to God. Is God at work is his word at work in your life? Now, those are questions you can only answer. Is his word at work in your life? If not, that means no, no good fruits being produced. And who's at fault for that? And so the encouragement was, was in the reminder to the church body that God is God, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and that the Holy Spirit lives within and continues to work through the church, and one day Jesus is going to return. Those was his words of encouragement to a church that was facing serious persecution. And, and if you were to read the entire letters of, of Thessalonians to the church there, you would see that Paul constantly encouraged them with God's truth. 
And most of the things uh, they, were, they were facing uh, were coming from people uh, who were, they were making fun of this resurrected Jesus thing. They didn't believe it. And they were dismissing those who had already died in Christ, who had fallen asleep. And, and he always pointed them back to God and, and, and Jesus' promises to those who belong to him. Listen to how he encouraged them as he writes about those who had already died. You've heard this passage many times, especially if you go to a funeral. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we, will, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Is that not a word of encouragement? We've got a hope beyond this life. And then he explains how this happens. The dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, uh, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever, and here it is. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage people with the word of God. There's an awesome message, awesome truth, awesome promises that the church has, and we neglect to share it because we're so consumed about everything around us. It's like life is about me. My feelings, my wants is the only thing that matter in this world. How about Jesus' wants and how about his desires for the church? Church, his point is to sharpen one another, to build one another up with the truth of God's word. Remind each other how awesome our God is. Remind people of God's promises. Comfort one another with the fact that all believers will spend eternity with Jesus Christ, even those who have already died before he come for his church. Use God's truth to provide one another with assurance and hope. There's none of that happening out in the world. Have you ever watched the news lately? I used to be a news, newsaholic, man. I, I, don't, I don't even want to watch it anymore. It's so depressing, so discouraging. Remind other Christians to get over themselves, to stop bickering, stop the smashing and destruction, stop the grumbling. Those things are not honoring to God and will not cause anyone outside the church, outside of Jesus Christ, to want to have any relationship with the church or with God. Nobody wants to be part of a grumbling group. They want to be part of something that's encouraging, that's moving forward, that's edifying, that's fulfilling, that's loving. We have the greatest message to share with the lost world that Jesus came into this world to save his people from their sins, that every person alive can have salvation through Jesus Christ. Again, he writes to the Thessalonians, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whatever, whether we are awake or asleep, alive or dead, we may live together with him. And here it is. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. He encouraged them by reminding them that we will be with the Lord forever. And he encouraged them to continue sharing the good news as they were already doing. And so Paul encouraged him with God's truth. He's instructed the church to encourage one another with the same truth that he was doing with them. And it, is, it, it, it was this truth that would help grow the body of Christ there at Thessalonica. It was this truth that would provide them with, with hope and assurance as they face their present trials and the uncertainty of what their future look like they didn't know what was going to happen we live in the freest nation in the, in the world and we we failed to share the good news because we're so caught up in ourselves 
Whatever conflict or heartache or headache they were experiencing, God's truth and promises of something much better is waiting for those who remain faithful to the end. Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 10. And then Paul says this in Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Therefore, encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ with these words. But Paul didn't stop with those words of encouragement to the church. He says, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teaching we pass on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement, eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage and strengthen you in every good deed and word. He took people back to God every time. Here again, we see Paul using God's truth to encourage the Thessalonians. He, he, re, he refers to this eternal encouragement. That statement is what makes God's word so powerful and significant and, and reassuring. We, we are not sharing human philosophy or, or, or temporary fixes and ideas that are limited to our time and space. We are sharing the word of God. That's why Jesus said, heaven and earth may, will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And if you want something to stick in somebody's heart and their mind, you share the word of God. You plant the seed, and God will do some great things. This is why God's word is, is to be the primary means Christians are to encourage one another and to build up the body of Christ. Yeah, I, I've shared with you many times my anxiety I have when I fly. You know, the crowded seats, people touching me, uh, the turbulence, and you're not having an aisle seat. I, I don't know why I'm that way. I'm just that way, okay? Uh, when, I looked, when, I, uh, when I got back from my sabbatical, I shared with you the, the experience I had when I flew to uh, St. David, uh, Arizona, for, to be, spend a week at the monastery. But I was sitting next to this older couple, and the man had retired, and I asked him what, you know, what he did before he retired. He told me he worked on airplanes. You remember that? I shared that with you. And, and then he proceeded to share with me why airplanes crash. I didn't need to hear that. Okay, his intent wasn't to frighten me or to you know, make my life miserable, but it, it sure didn't encourage me, okay? So I sat there the rest of the trip. I see sleeping, thinking about how planes crash. And it, it didn't do me any good. But it, it also reminds me of another airplane story that, that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't leave much room for encouragement to anyone. But there was a man who was flying on one of those, uh, his first airplane ride on one of those old DC 10s uh, that had, you know, the propellers on either side of the plane with the, or the motors with, you know, propellers. And as they were flying, he noticed that two of the engines were smoking and he started screaming out, ah, oh, the plane's on fire, the plane's on fire. And, and panic through, spread throughout the whole plane. And then suddenly the pilot comes out from the front of the, the plane and he's got a parachute on. And he says, ah, not to worry, I'm going for help. I thought it was funny. So I need to work on my sense of humor, right? Church family, here's a simple thing that we can do. All Christians must realize how important the word of God is in encouraging others within the body of Christ. We are to be ready in season and out of season when it comes to knowing God's word and sharing it. That is why our first core value is devote daily. Devote daily so that you can be ready in season and out of season. We, we, we must be ready to share the word of God with others who are in special uh, need of encouragement. Remember, Christians cannot encourage one another with, with God's word if, they don't, if they're not familiar with God's word. And so I want to encourage you to get familiar with God's word on any subject matter, not only for personal growth, but so that you're going to be able to encourage others when they are facing their own trials in life. 
Another simple thing that we can do is recognize how the church operates regarding this particular New Testament teaching. Too, too many churches or people uh, in the church think that the only person who is able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is the preacher or the paid staff. That is so far from the truth. According to the word of God, we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are to do our part. We are to take that message and share it. That's an order from Jesus in Matthew 28. The Bible teaches that every Christian must be involved in doing their part in growing the church body. All Christians are to speak the truth in love. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. This, this, this is probably uh, is, is what the author of the Hebrew writer uh, had in mind when he wrote this in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us not consider how we may, uh, or let us consider how we may spur or encourage one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is he referring to here? He's referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's encouraging to know that our Lord and Savior is uh, he's coming back for us. But our job is just to be ready, to encourage others to be ready. Christian in the New Testament days met together for the body of Christ to function properly, for fellowship, for the apostles' teaching, for prayer, uh, to mutually encourage one another. That's why they met. Paul wrote to the Colossians this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and counsel one another with all wisdom. And where does that wisdom come from? But the word of God. Many, many of our churches today need to, to reevaluate a lot of things uh, uh, on this New Testament principle here because the way many churches do church is so tightly structured that, 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 the only, uh, that only what is planned can happen. And, and, and if it's not there, if it's not in that, that particular agenda, then, then it's not going to happen. This discourages the creativity and talents of the entire body. That's why Paul reminded us, told us, can the hand say to the, uh, or the hand cannot say to, to the arm, I don't need you, and the foot can't say to the head, I don't need you. We need the body of Christ and all of her talent, all of her parts to encourage and to sharpen one another for the growth of the church. And if the church runs uh, opposite of what God's word teaches, then the church body becomes too dependent on ministers and elders to take all the responsibility of encouraging and submitting and honoring and bearing and greeting and serving and devotion and, and encouraging and sharpening one another. That is not how God structured the church to be. Every one of us have a part. You may think your part is less than. It's not. As far as I'm concerned, children's ministry here is one of the most important. Student ministry is one of the most important parts. Janitor. Can you imagine the grumbling that would take place if all of our bathrooms were... Do I dare say it? It would be nothing but grumbling. That's important. It needs to happen. You see, we need the body of Christ, again, in all of her parts to do their part. To encourage and sharpen one another for the growth of God's kingdom. We have to be part of this. John Stott wrote this. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a Christian author. He said this. If we walked by the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we loved one another more, we would bear with one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Christ glorified. 
Is that you as the individual church? Is that us as a corporate church? Church family, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What about you? What kind of things are you doing to produce the fruit of the Spirit? What kinds of things are you doing as an individual Christian, as one part of the body of Christ to sharpen another part of the body of Christ for the glory of God and the growth of his kingdom? What are you doing as an individual Christian to live out these simple principles that we talked about this whole series? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.